0: Here in Proverbs 12, there are more sound bites of wisdom for us to consider. Since there are 28 Proverbs for our consideration in this study, it might be helpful to follow along with an NIV Bible. Let's join Pastor Ross now with a message entitled, Loving Correction. Heavenly Father, we just are so enjoying coming out and enjoying your love, being in your presence, worshiping you. Now we ask, Father, that the Holy Spirit help us to understand your wonderful word, the words that bring life and light and truth and set our hearts free. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are in an interesting section in Proverbs. From chapter 10 to 29 of Proverbs, we just have really literally a couple hundred Proverbs, a couple two line uh, little sound bites of truth and wisdom uh, to help us understand uh, what smart behavior, uh, scriptural behavior is that keeps us on the straight and narrow path where God can bless us and out of the pitfalls of life uh, that uh, can really cause a lot of painful uh, consequences. And And so I've been calling this section kind of a s'mores board um, because uh, you just say very different. It's not like a regular text. It's just uh, two lines at a time, all different topics of wisdom. Things like everyday things, like how to handle difficult people, how to handle nosy neighbors, how to uh, handle friends who talk too much. Uh, how to handle sexual temptation, uh, how to be honest in business, and all of these kinds of things. And um, we've been seeing that the Proverbs are called mashal, and it means to be like. And in other words, they're like little parables to be like. So uh, in other words, like smoke in your eyes is an untrustworthy person whom you're depending upon. So they're little pictures. Jesus did this. A third of his teaching were parabolic parables, stories, metaphors. And that's what the Proverbs are. Little, you know, it's not rocket science, as I've been saying. Uh, And this is smart behavior. And smart behavior in the Lord will bring a blessing. This is dumb behavior. Dumb behavior uh, is n- not smart <laughs> by definition, and will bring painful ramifications. you know, but the choice is always uh, ours. Uh, so, the two liner sound bites are going to come at us again tonight. I wanted to just kind of preface everything by telling you the context of Hebrew poetry. Uh, these little sound bites of truth uh, to, are, appear in the context of Hebrew poetry, and there's three kinds that we see mostly in the Proverbs. I permission to use big fancy words. Is that okay? All right, good. Antithetical parallelism. All right. So, truth by way of contrast. This is mostly all the proverbs. Okay. So, in other words, uh, the fear of the Lord pro- prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be cut short. Uh, so, there's there's just a nice contrast. This is smart. This is dumb. Uh, you know? Do you do you do you want? Uh, a punch in the nose or pie a la mode. Uh, it really is kind of like that. Here's life, here's death, of which do you think you should choose? You know, so you get a lot of that most of the proverbs are like. The second thing is synonymous parallelism. It's truth by way of elaboration. So in other words, in the first case, you have one line and then you have the opposite. that's the first one. Then you have the next set is one verse and then it elaborates. It it takes it a step further. It expands what's already uh, been said. And so, uh, for example, hear my son your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. It's just another restatement for emphasis. The third category, synthetic parallelism. Is first of all truth by way of restatement. So, uh, or it, it, it's actually, a, yeah, it'll restate or elaborate or make something further. So, for example, it'll say, "Whoever strays from the path of wisdom comes to rest in the company of the dead." So, in other words, and that's pretty. Uh, that's a pretty uh, harsh. Uh, truth right there Uh, but it'll tell you if you do this then this will happen the second thing the truth by way of logical deduction is if this is bad then this would be worse all right so if if this is uh, for example if the righteous gets what's coming to them how much more the ungodly will get what's coming to them So it's that kind of logical thing. The third one is truth by way of comparison. So just a couple lines will say, better this than that. In other words, better to be poor than a liar, all right? So this is what you're seeing through all of the chapters. It's the way the Hebrews wrote poetry. And, uh, of course, it's not just Solomon writing. It's the Holy Spirit uh, writing through him. So let's dive in because we've got 28 uh, little Proverbs to take a look at. So Proverbs 12 and verse 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. (laughs) Wow. So, you know, if you've ever wanted a definition of stupid in the Bible... It it is right here for you, and it it is called uh, being unteachable. Now, the word stupid there means brutish, and the King James nails it with brutish. Uh, It it just means there's no difference between uh, you or an animal if you don't use wisdom. It means dense or ignorant. And so here's what the Bible is saying. Mistakes provide opportunities for learning. And everyone makes mistakes. So a, a defensive attitude that refuses to be uh, corrected or to admit that there's an error at all can never learn. And the, the problem is pride. Uh, since they're closed off to correction, uh, they're destined to perpetuate wrong behavior, right? And that's what makes a person stupid. Uh, it has nothing to do with intellect. It's about willful willful rejection of God's truth. It's more about the heart than IQ. And so uh, in this case, uh, it's like a cow that wanders into the middle of of the freeway, right? That's the understanding of what uh, brutish means. So most people hate being corrected. How many of you just love to sit down with somebody and say, you know, tell me all the ways I should be... (laughs) you know, a better person. Uh, It it is hard. And so uh, for me, the degree of unpleasantness about being corrected depends on who's correcting me and what it's about and how they're doing it. The Bible assumes that the correction that you should love is the right kind of correction, loving, constructive uh, correction. So even loving, constructive correction, correction, that's like a tongue twister right there, uh, is difficult. This, how do you, how are you going to love it? Because let's admit it, we don't, and we don't want to be stupid, right? We don't like it. So it's an acquired taste like all other. Uh, things in life that uh, that we don't want to do. That's good for us. Exercise. Who enjoys exercise? I mean, you, you you did it in the beginning. You may like it now, but I mean, who enjoyed drinking coffee when you were 12? When you were, you were 12 years old, I took my first sip of coffee. It was like uh, my parents are a psycho. <laughs> This stuff is terrible, right? And now, you know, I love coffee, right? It's an acquired taste. So I'm not going to spend all this time on every proverb, all right? But this one was one of those five-star ones, okay? And so um, learn. We must, with God's help, learn to love some things that are abrasive to our pride, offensive to our senses, but life-giving to our souls. Proverbs 2. There, verse two, rather, a good man obtains favor from the Lord, but the Lord condemns a crafty man. So here's a contrast, right? And the two types of people and the Lord's response to them. Uh, there are good people who God favors, and there are schemers who He condemns. Now, for you, you really, uh, we have to spend a moment here because what's the definition of a good person? Uh, there is no such thing as a good person. Biblically speaking. So uh, when he says good person in the Bible, you've got to know what that means. It means a person who by faith has put their trust in the Lord and he has put them right with himself. And that goodness is an imputed goodness to them. Uh, we already know that Abraham believed God and it was counted as goodness to him. Righteousness, right with God, right? Uh, the Old Testament, the just shall, the... The just shall live by faith. That is quoted all through the New Testament. So it's an Old Testament and New Testament way of understanding. Somebody asked Jesus, oh, good teacher. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Okay, so here's what. Always know that when he says that we are being good, it's not because we in ourselves are being good because there is no such thing as a good person. Romans chapter three uh, says that quite clearly. And so here the unbeliever is called crafty because he's always scheming a way to avoid God and live for himself. Uh, all right, verse three. A man cannot be established through wickedness, but the righteous cannot be uprooted. Now, this is a, is a common refrain in the Bible, Old Testament and New. The stability of the wicked... Uh, and those who are right with God. Well, so those who act wickedly will not have stable lives and those who walk with God will. That's just over and over again. Verse four, this is a five-star. A wife of noble character is her husband's crown, but a disgraceful wife is like decay in his bones. Here's a contrast of the asset of a good wife and the liability of a bad wife. Why, does the, why do the Proverbs talk mostly about the foibles of women and uh, wives? The, the vices and virtues of wives and not husbands. Well, I'm glad you're asking that tonight. Uh, huge <laughs> importance to young uh, males to whom the book is uh, primarily addressed in, in, in its ancient setting. This is for young men. And nothing's more important to a young man that he choose the right woman. And so here, here. (laughs) I don't know how to take that one. It's like either you really scored big with the right one or, (laughs) all right, right. so to avoid a bad, or to avoid, don't answer me. (laughs) Uh, Avoid a bad marital choice at all cost now oh and by the way ladies you can just invert the truth it works both ways avoid uh, a bad marital choice guys that's what uh, this is saying now uh, that her character is the big ticket item that's what you're looking for because uh, charm uh, charm is uh, deceptive right and beauty is fading but a woman who fears the Lord it's, just, it's the character quality that you want um, and so, Uh, love and reverence for God, evidence of good deeds, a forgiving person, that's who you're looking for. You're not looking for someone who holds grudges or is bitter or untrusting. Um, You don't want a woman who's always yakking and getting into everybody's business. Do you? I don't don't think so. Uh, You want a woman who's gentle, and submitted and has a quiet spirit as opposed to always being in the middle of some drama. And, amen? <laughs> I'm just preaching the Bible here. <laughs> now, the, the, you know, the disgraceful wife uh, is not really defined um, by behavior, but in the Proverbs, it's usually loud and obnoxious, gossip, promiscuous and worldly. Uh, that's what really, uh, the point here is is that it brings her husband pain um, down deep, down deep in the bones. You can't get any uh, deeper or more profound pain than bone pain. It's deep and it hurts. And so what it's saying is choose wrong and uh She, or the bad marriage, will eat away your strength and destroy your happiness. Choose right, and there'll be joy, honor, and uh, happiness. A young man came to me. We're going to move faster. Don't worry. Don't worry. Years ago, 100 years ago, in five different churches ago, and uh, he had a call of God upon his life, and he is still in the ministry somewhere. And uh, he fell in love with a beautiful girl who everybody knew was very worldly. And I sat him down once and I said, dude, you know she slugs down margaritas. And she's not afraid to post that on Facebook. She slugs them down. She loves to go clubbing. And somebody came to me and said, she cusses like an unbelieving sailor. She just unbelievable. I said, Is that the kind of pastor's wife you're looking for? You know? And he had tears in his eyes. He's already entangled with her, but he broke up with her. Every time he sees me, he kisses me on the cheek. <laughs> because as things unfolded, uh, it was evidenced that that would have been a really bad choice. And he found a godly woman, uh, the daughter of a pastor. And uh, they are living happily ever after. That's all I have to say. You know why? I, and because he found a wife of noble character. Do not jump into things. Verse 5. The plans of the righteous are just, but the advice of the wicked is deceitful. Here's a general uh, observation and a warning against taking advice from the wrong person. Consider the source when you're looking for guidance. Do not go to friends who will tell you what you want to hear. All right, verse 6. The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, but the speech of the upright rescues them. Here's another observation here of the power of speech. Uh, One person's words are, are like little assassins that go looking for somebody to kill, and they murder... The hearers. Other people's words are like little rescuers that are on the, the lookout for somebody to help and to heal and to bring life. Verse seven. Wicked men are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous stands firm. Once again, you see it again. The instability of sinning and the stability of following the Lord. Quicksand for the sinner, and the Lord is our rock. Verse eight, a man is praised according to his wisdom, but men with warped minds are despised. So so one commentator said, remember Israel is an honor slash shame society back then. And I started, I laughed, because what society isn't? Anybody here want to be put to shame? <laughs> Yeah, you know, anybody here would rather be honored than to be embarrassed and disgraced? Yeah, so, seriously. So uh, if you want to be honored, live for God and embrace his ways. If you want to end up with total shame, then reject the Lord and do your own thing. Romans ten thirteen. the whole point of the gospel is whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall not be put to shame. It is our greatest fear to stand before God and the universe and everybody looking in and seeing your terrible deeds. The books are going to be open and the wicked will stand and be judged out of the books with everything bare. Wow. There's even a, a statement in Hebrews that says, you know, we really stand completely Um, bear before the Lord who will judge us and we will give an account to him. And so you you will want to uh, live life his ways. Okay, his way. Uh, Verse nine, better to be a nobody and yet have a servant than pretend to be somebody and have no food. Now, right. I know, we laugh, but do you even get it? I mean, it's hard to get that one, you know? And, and I love it when I'm like confused and then the commentator says he's confused too. And, and so here's the truth here. Uh, reality is what matters, not appearances, all right? So pretending to be somebody is the, the sinful, foolish thing that people do in the world, lots of people put on a show to say, look at me, I'm well off, I'm important, you know, I'm related to this person, or I know that person, or I make this much money, or I went to this kind of college, or, you know, whatever. Uh, He's saying, that's just emptiness. Compared that with the guy who lives in Winnemucca, who nobody knows, he's just an average farmer, but he does quite well, you know, he's not in need. But the person in Hollywood, and and then you read about these rich celebrities who go bankrupt, right? This is the idea that it, it's it's better to be just an ordinary person that nobody knows about, and you're not putting on airs, and you're just doing quite well. Instead of a flash in the pan, look at me, look at me, but it's really empty in reality. Verse 10. A righteous man cares for the needs of his animal, uh, but the kindness acts of the wicked are cruel. Here's a contrast between good and evil people and how they treat animals. Wow, that's really interesting. So... Um, The picture here is that godless people just don't care and have hard hearts even, uh, not only for people, but for uh, God's living creatures. And they drive their livestock um, and abuse them and that kind of thing. Now, compassion for animals is uh, an indication of one's character. However, here's a caveat to that. Uh, Sadly, many godless people in this world love animals. In fact, they love animals more than people. In fact, they love animals more than their own souls. In fact, they will give a billion dollars to animal uh, causes in this world and not one penny to God's work. And so uh, do not press this beyond what it's meant to say. This is that, see... So-and-so loves animals, therefore they must be godly. Uh-uh. <laughs> and no, it's saying, listen, if you've got the love of God in your heart, you're not just going to be a brute beast uh, treating animals uh, cruelly. And then it goes on to say, you know, even, even the kindest act of wicked people, it, it ends up being cruel. So in other words, some guy thinks he's doing a favor by, you know, I didn't actually kill the guy, I just knocked him out. You know, instead of, (laughs) he wants to rob a guy. So he thinks he's being kind. You know, I didn't kill him. You know, I just knocked him unconscious. You know, sorry, I go into my New York accent. That's where I come from. I'm not saying all criminals come from New York. (laughs) However, a lot of them do. All right, so, yeah. Verse 11. He who works his land will have abundant food, but he who chases fantasies lacks judgment. Now, there's a difference between a well-founded God-inspired dream and a fantasy born of greed, laziness, and self-interest. You see, it's okay to dream a godly dream, but there's a difference between uh, that and always running after. See, this guy's gonna be poor not because he's lazy, because he's got energy. He's chasing, he's chasing, he's chasing. But he just wants to do it the fast and quick way. He wants to go pay those $250 for the seminars to learn how to flip buildings and, you know, no cash. You don't need any cash. And, you know, suddenly he's got $250 and he goes to all those seminars, you know, because he doesn't want to just get a regular job and pay the bills and do what everybody else has to do, right? So that's the wisdom there. Uh, Verse 12. The wicked desire the plunder of evil men, but the root of the righteous flourishes. So there are variant readings in Hebrew, uh, in the ancient texts, and there's also translations from the Greek translation of the Old Testament. So there's sometimes a little bit of confusion on some of these. Here's the bottom line. Abundant reward for goodness. And if you love wickedness, you're probably going to get caught up in your own devices. Verse 13. Verse 13. From the fruit of his lips, a man is filled with, verse 13, an evil man, verse 13. No wonder there's a problem there. Did I not put 13 down? Okay. Okay, an evil man is trapped by a sinful talk, but a righteous man escapes trouble. There, again, just the ramifications and the power and the potential of words. Be careful what you say. Think before you speak. Amen? Verse 14. From the fruit of his lips, a man is filled with good things as surely as the work of his hands rewards him. So once again, again, we're on the theme of words and the power thereof. Wise words bring uh, good and satisfying results uh, to the person as well as to the situation. (laughs) Um, and, And just like hard work and hands brings good reward. So that's what it is. Wise words and hard work boomerang and bring a blessing. Verse 15. The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. Another great observation of smart and dumb. All right. So the fool is heading off the cliff. He sees the signs that say, say bridge out, but he thinks it's the right road. And it just, that, Listen, caution. When you embrace sin, your ability to reason goes out the window. So they think they're doing the right thing, even though everybody around them is going to go, huh, what are you doing, right? So the wise person is open to advice, can sense the danger, and do a U-turn. Verse 16. This is when I start. You know, I start about three or four of them. Just for, these are, three or four that resonate with me in the chapter. This was one of them. A fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. So here's the observation of how wise and foolish uh, people respond to everyday uh, irritations and annoyances and offenses. So really it's a call for godly people uh, to have patience self-control and love. So these are things, patience, self-control, and love, which are, are found in only low levels in, in foolish people. Uh, each day in your marriage, at work, with your children, your spouses, and everybody, uh, there's enough careless comments and misunderstandings and rudeness and dumb behavior uh, to keep us flying off the handle if we were to react to every little thing in our marriage and at work and at school, uh, it would be a full-time job to keep expressing our angst about what's going on and what's bothering us and why did they look at me that way and why did they say that and why didn't you finish this job and all of that. He says, listen, a mature, wise person has the wisdom to show patience and not always reacting, reacting, reacting what's the percent of petty things that we talk about irritating us in our marriages or in church? Or The percent of petty stuff is pretty high. You know... You're driving in the car with your wife, and she's she's telling you, you know, move in the next lane. You know, and you're gonna make a big deal about that, or where to park, or you you know how to you know did something have enough salt in it or no salt, or did you fold the clothes, or you know all of these things that fools always say that bothered me, that bothered me, that bothered me. That's a fool. A wise person just says, let's it go, let's it go, let's it go. Not sinful, terrible, ugly things that need to be addressed, but the petty stuff, which is most of the stuff. And so this is a, a proverb that says, listen, learn to let it go. Don't sweat the small stuff. Uh, overlook an insult. And by the way, you've done the same thing that you're all up in arms about. You do the same exact behavior, and that's probably why it bothers you so much. Amen? Amen. All right. Um, verse 17. A truthful witness gives honest testimony, but a false witness tells lie- lies. So you're thinking... Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. so, duh, yeah, of course. Oh, hold on, cowboy. (laughs) Really? So let me ask you a question. Are you an honest person? Oh, everybody in this room raised their hand. This is the test. This is the yardstick for you who just always say, oh, I always tell the truth. Oh, really? I'm an honest person. Really? Well, an honest person <laughs> tells the truth. And, and a false witness tells lies. So it's just a yardstick to say, you know, I'm going to help you out with your self-assessment. <laughs> if, if for you thinking, you know, I, it's like the guy who says, I'm basically a good person, right? How many people think they're basically a good person out there, right? They all say that, and then you bring out the yardstick, the Ten Commandments. You say, okay, you're basically a good person. Okay, let's talk about uh, stealing. Thou shalt not steal. Have you ever stolen anything? Well, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, so so what does that make you? Well, yeah, it makes me call it, uh, a thief. Okay, so yeah, 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 <laughs> you're a thief. Okay, so have you ever used the Lord's name in vain, you know, and that's called blasphemy, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, of course, I've done that. Okay, so what is that called? A blasphemer. Okay, a blasphemer and a thief. Okay, have you ever lusted after a woman because, you know, the Bible says if you're lusted, uh, you know, it's kind of like committing adultery, you know, has have you ever done anything like that? I, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, who hasn't? Right? And so, yeah. Okay, so, so you're a thief and uh, uh, an adulterer uh, and a blasphemer, shall we go on? Uh, you know, and you can go down the whole list until you realize, oh, I'm not basically a good person. I'm basically a bad person who breaks the law all the time and that's why I need a savior. And that is why God gave us the law to show us that we're basically bad people who need to be saved. And if you don't say amen right there. Thank you. (laughs) Verse 18. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Well, with just my words, I have the power to wound and bring pain or the power to heal and bring comfort and joy? Which will it be for me and you tonight? You know what I'm learning about Proverbs? It's so easy to be a hero with my words. I could send out little Words that are going to go and bind up brokenhearted people. I could send out some words that are going to relieve somebody's depression. I could send out words that are going to bring people together, not split them apart. I could send out words tonight that's going to strengthen the work of God right here at the rock. You can be a hero so easily with your words. Or you could be the villain of the story by just not thinking before you speak. Verse nineteen: Truthful lips endure for forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. So here's the transitory nature of lying, and really, the bigger picture is the transitory nature, the temporal uh, nature of all sin. It, it's really the the clock is ticking, and there and and lying lips have an expiration date because when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. And he sets up a kingdom. No liars are there. None, not one. In fact, in Revelation it says the liars on the outside. Right. So, why invest in a life that is going nowhere? That's exactly what uh, he's trying to say. Is is that. Truth, the truth of the gospel, uh, we live forever when we embrace that. So that's where to invest your life, in the, uh, in, in the eternal things, not in the transitory. Uh, verse 20. There is deceit in the hearts of those who plot evil, but joy for those who promote peace. Here's a sad truth. Some people get joy at upsetting and dividing people, and others get joy from bringing people together. Verse 21, no harm befalls the righteous, but the wicked will have their fill of trouble. This is a pretty bold statement, and we need to take it apart. Uh, So here again, to motivate right behavior, the benefits of cooperating with God and opposed to the liabilities of rejecting him and doing things uh, against his word. So the general statement, not a formula to be uh, pressed into a law of concrete terms. Life will go better for you walking with God than if you don't. Generally speaking, which are a lot of the Proverbs are general principles. They're not meant to be pressed too hard like some kind of formula. X, Y, and Z equals that all the time. We've talked about that. So all things being equal... um, Believers who are uh, obeying God's commands escape many of the destructive pitfalls uh, that sinners fall into. And we've talked about this, right? He says pretty much this before. Um, we're not out there robbing banks or lying or cheating or drunken brawls or using drugs or being promiscuous. That, that those are behaviors that get you into trouble, right? The wicked have their fair trouble because they do stuff like that. And the reason we don't have that is because we don't act like that, generally speaking, right? Now, uh, there is a problem because uh, you, you only have to live a, just a short time to realize harm comes to believers and righteous people. So we have to understand what does the Bible mean by harm? Well, from God's perspective, harm is destruction to the soul. So really, we're exempt from all harm because we're in Christ, we're gonna live forever. Listen to me. Uh, The love of God can never be taken away from us. We overcome everything. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world. So how can anything in this world that God, by the way, has used for good, every single thing in my life God is using for good. So how then can I be harmed by that thing that's being used for good that God allowed in my life? So that's the way to look at this instead of saying, "Oh." I know a lot of righteous people who've suffered harm. Really? Jesus told his disciples, they're going to flog you. They're going to kill some of you. But don't worry. Not a hair on your head will be harmed. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait a second. Let's go back, Jesus. Okay, you just said they're going to flog me and kill me. I you said, cheer up. Not a hair on my head will be harmed. That's the Bible's definition of if we're harmed or not because our soul is what matters, you see? So he says, don't worry. they not cut your head off. You'll be standing there going, hey, Jesus, wow. <laughs> and the Lord's like a high five in you and enter into the joy prepared for you and a martyr's crown to boot, you know? So yeah, no harm befalls the righteous. Moving on. Verse 22 but, and there's only 28 verses. We're coming down the home, stretch, people. Verse 22. "The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. God likes people who tell the truth way better than He does people who like to lie all the time." Period. Verse 23. And we do want God's favor, right? We want him to be pleased with us, right? So we should tell the truth. Verse 23. A prudent man keeps his knowledge to himself, but the heart of fools blurts out folly. Well, this is an intriguing one, because at first sight, you'll look at that and go, aren't we supposed to share our knowledge? That's not what it means. Because you get your cue from colon two, but the hearts of the fools blurting out folly. Okay, so this is understanding the knowledge that we refrain from speaking when we shouldn't be speaking. The word is discernment. What's appropriate in every situation? Should I say this? Should I hold my tongue? How do I say something? Uh, this is what a wise person does. You know, um, the idea here is to uh, know when to to hold your tongue and when to speak. Uh, wisdom gives you the thought to to think before you speak. <laughs> what a concept! Uh, fools, on the other hand, there's no filter, there's no prompt, there's no guardrail, there's no thought, and they just gush. They flow uncontrollably like a busted water line. And so I got a picture for you here. Now, all right. So he says, fools. This is the mouth of fools. They they just constantly whatever thought comes into their head, they have to vocalize it. Right and the whole Proverbs is saying there's so much power in words. There's power for life and death and, and for slander and gossip and division and healing or killing. If you're like that, James says, if you can't keep a tight rein on your tongue, your religion, your Christianity is worthless because you're doing a lot of damage. God's God's running, chasing after you with angels trying to clean up everything and that you're messing up because you can't keep a lid on it. That is just not a way to be. It's dangerous, right? The wise person uses words with restraint. Verse 23, 24. Diligent hands will rule but laziness ends in slave labor. So generally speaking, again, a determined person who works hard will end up being in charge, while a lazy person will be forced to work in subordinate roles. Now that's, if ever there was a general statement, that's a general statement. And uh, it's to encourage hard work and discourage laziness. Uh, Verse 25, an anxious heart weighs a man down. But a kind word cheers him up. So wise people are not just smart, they're loving. And they care about people who are bowed down, uh, depressed, or kind of uh, down and out. So wise people know how to encourage someone who's feeling down. Uh, The word anxiety there is fear. So they, they sense a threat to their well-being. And so they're bent over or bowed down with care. And uh, the answer is kind words, and so we're able to bring hopeful thoughts, affirmation. Maybe talk about their strengths, things that they do right, uh, and then go to the scripture. There's power in those words. The scripture's not like you know, Huckleberry Finn or um, you know, some novel. It's the living, breathing <laughs> word of God, and it brings life. Go to the scriptures when somebody's hurting. Bring out a scripture and, and uh, use it to help them. Uh, there's no mention of the fool in this paragraph, because or the, these verses, because uh, only fools care, they only care about themselves. Um, 26, a righteous man is cautious in friendship. Oh, this is a five-star one. Right, a cautious in friendship, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. So here's a contrast between uh, smart people who, uh, and how to choose friends uh, wisely versus uh, people uh, without wisdom and friendships, how they make friendships. So why do you have to be cautious when you choose friends? Don't you just hit it off with somebody and then, you know, you go out to lunch and you, you, you play Frisbee golf and now you're friends for life, right? No. Uh, you you have to be careful because, first of all, people lead with their strengths and it takes a long time before you know what a person is really like. So, you know, a lot of people are really good at being charming in the beginning of a friendship. And then uh, here's what happens. Here's why you need to be cautious. Because it takes a while to know true character, but... When you have a friend, you open up, and they get kind of close, and they get tangled into your life, right? And so you get obligated, and they're they're friends with the with your their kids are friends with your kids if, if that's your situation, or um, you start to share the the good, the bad, the ugly. You make yourself vulnerable to a friend, and how many of us know? that when a, a friend who's been close goes south or sour, oh, oh, that's alaawi Awi. That is terrible. I mean, because they, they can really, really do some damage. So the Bible says, be careful who you let in. Be careful. Oh, somebody just said it's too late over here. <laughs> I already let him in. Well. Hello, uh, that's what caller ID is for. (laughs) Oh my word. You guys, what is wrong with saying, you know, hey, sit down, let's have a cup of coffee. You know what? Uh, We've grown, we've changed. I've gone kind of this way, you've gone kind of this way. And and you know what? It's just, you know, we've gone from being really close friends to just acquaintances. I don't hate you, but you know, I'm not going to be spending a whole lot of time with you anymore. Is that the end of the world? It's really not, and it's what a lot of us kind of need to do sometimes. Is just pony up, sit down, buy them a cup of coffee, and just tell them this is the way it is. Okay, moving on. <laughs> I just saved you $125 at a <laughs> therapist's office. Be picky. Choose people who inspire you, who you admire, who call you up, who don't pull you down, who can keep a confidence, who aren't overly needy or depending on you or demanding. So be cautious. Sinners don't care. Sinners just don't bother to do that. And their poor choices, you know, for companions, it just sort of makes things worse. Verse 27 the lazy man does not roast his game, but the diligent man prizes his possessions. We get both of these lines, but we don't get them together. And Right? I get A, got it. I got B, got it. A and B, I don't get it. And you know what I'm going to tell you? I still don't get it. I spent a half an hour looking everywhere, in every book I own, Everybody's going. <laughs> I don't know. But this is the best I can do with this. Lack of character such as lazy prevents you from finishing what you started. So the guy goes hunting, you know, and it's just, you know, it's too much trouble. i got to dress... Dress it. I got to roast it. I got to build a fire. I got to just. He doesn't finish what he starts. That's the idea here. Because, and and, and you're like, okay, I get that, right? Uh, but the second guy, he's diligent. He takes pride in what he does. This is my best guess. He takes pride in what he does and what he has. And and that's the conclusion. He completes projects. This is a guy who will go hunting. He'll get, he'll, he'll, he'll get a catch, you know, he gets his deer, whatever. He dresses it properly. Uh, he cooks what he wants, you know, and he carts the rest home, and he prepares it and hang, mounts it on his wall. You know, he, he goes all the, all the way through. Le, yes, listen, a, a wise person is, is not cruel to animals, uh, right, uh, unless they're delicious, uh, and then <laughs> we're not cruel to them there are humane ways to deal with them but if they're on the menu uh, okay now that okay listen send your emails to Pastor Adam alright Pastor Adam at cctherock.org he's taking my emails right now the second, <laughs> okay, so yeah, verse 28. I think we're done. What? Look at that. In the way of righteousness, there's life. Along the path is immortality. So that's re- remember the the one line that builds on the next line, right? The next line furthers the first line, and so here we have. As as we often hear in the Bible, there's a difference between. Um, there's more to life than just being alive. You you can be existing here as a human being, but the Bible will call you dead in your sins. And that's why the gospel comes. And listen to what the gospel says. Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So without being connected to the Lord and walking right with him, that there is not a quality of life. So this verse talks about quality of life and quantity of years. Eternal life and the life that Jesus came, he said, I've come that they might have life and that they would have it to the full or abundantly or overflowing. This is what Jesus' heart is for us. Uh, Timothy is told by Paul in 1 Timothy 6.19, Timothy, take hold of life that is truly life. And that can only be found near, near to Jesus, near to Jesus. There's no life, there is no life. There's no fun, there's no joy, there's nothing if you're disconnected and you've got some distance between you and the joy giver and the life giver, the source of everything. So we just finished another chapter of wise sayings, 28 of them. Did they get inside? Well, how do we know? How do you get that inside? How do we make some changes? Let me close with this illustration. In ancient times, there was a young man, the story's told, swimming in a lake with the famous philosopher Socrates. They're in the same place. So this wannabe philosopher wanted to get wisdom and so he saw his chance and he goes up to Socrates there wades up they're both kind of wading up there uh, in the lake and he says oh wise great Socrates I come to you for knowledge the guy says well what exactly do you want he says knowledge wisdom oh wise one So Socrates put his strong hands on the young man's shoulders and pushed him under the water and held him there for 30 seconds. And the guy comes up and he says, what do you want, young man? And he says, I said, wisdom and understanding. And before he finished his sentence, Socrates pushed him under the water again. 30 seconds, 35, 40, Socrates led him up. The guy's gasping again. What do you want, young man? Let me know what you want. So between heavy sighing and breaths and wheezing, he says, "Knowledge. I want knowledge. Oh, wise and wonderful philosopher, you know." So Socrates, you guessed it, jammed him down under again for uh, 50 seconds, and the guy came up, and he's all he's got blue lips now, and he's like really frazzled. And uh, Socrates says, "What is it that you want?" And he says, "Air." I, <laughs> Air, I need air. And uh, he says, when you want wisdom as much as you want air, then you begin to understand knowledge. That goes really nice with Proverbs chapter two. Let me read you this and we're done. He says, my son, my daughter, if you accept my, listen to the verbs. If you accept my words, store them up in your heart, turn your ear to wisdom, apply your heart to understanding, If you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it as for silver and search for it as with hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. So there are eight action verbs there. And so we always, we just want God to wave a magic wand over us or, uh, you know, I'm prayed for it and then God just goes... You know, wouldn't that be nice? But it just doesn't happen that way. And so let's apply ourselves, you know. I don't think we have to drive ourselves crazy. I think God is a good father. If we ask him for bread, he doesn't give us a stone or a rock. So if we ask for the Holy Spirit and we ask for wisdom, he's going to be gracious. But, you know, how do you ask? You ask like you really want something. This is my last, last illustration. My uh, One of my kids, and I've used this before, it just stuck with me through the years. But, you know, I was on the computer and he was trying to get my attention, you know. And I was on the computer and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, he grabbed my face like this and pulled my face into his. I said, Dad, this is important. Listen to me. I was like, wow. Go ahead, talk. And he talked to me, right? That would be nice once in a while to show God, like, hey, Dad, here I am. I'm actually on my knees this time and not just walking to the hallway praying or in the car praying, which is cool. Anytime you pray is cool. But to actually sit down, pray, and say, I've dedicated this time to seek your face about this situation. I am dumb. I have made some mistakes. I want to grow. There are five proverbs tonight that really I need to make a part of my life. God, you know, you know, you don't ever have to do that with God, but it would be nice for him to see that we really are intent on getting his attention and getting something uh, going in our hearts and lives. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love and and that you do want to bless us, Lord, and that all of these things could be ours. And, And to some extent, they are already in existence in all of us. We just want to, Lord, yield more and more to become like you, to be smarter and wiser, more discerning so that life would go well for us and we'd be productive and effective for the Lord Jesus Christ to make the gospel attractive to people because we have character. We're not hypocrites and they can sense the quality of our lives and want the same. So we ask you, Lord, for this gracious request change our change us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Closing song. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast.